This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. President Vladimir Putin declared martial law in the four Ukrainian regions that Russia partially controls on Wednesday. Mr. Putin also ordered an, quote, economic mobilization in the eight Russian provinces that border Ukraine, granting local governments the authority to restrict movement. Ukraine's recent counteroffensive has driven Russian troops in Kherson, a crucial southern city, back as far as 30 kilometers. Russian-appointed authorities claim to have started evacuating civilians from the city ahead of a Ukrainian attack, something Ukraine declared a, quote, propaganda show. Suella Braverman resigned as Britain's Home Secretary, adding to the chaos in Liz Truss's government. Ms. Braverman said she had breached ministerial rules by sending an official document from her personal email, but she also accused the Prime Minister of breaking, quote, key pledges. She was replaced by Grant Shapps, a former transport secretary. Emmanuel Macron bypassed France's parliament to pass the country's 2023 budget. The president was forced to use Article 49.3, a constitutional provision that allows the executive to push through laws without a vote. Since parliamentary elections in June, Mr. Macron's centrist alliance has been 44 seats short of a majority. The government is already facing nationwide strikes, which began on Tuesday. Tesla reported record quarterly revenues of $21.5 billion that still fell short of analysts' forecasts. The electric car maker's profit reached a near record of $3.3 billion. Tesla aims to deliver more than 1.4 million vehicles in 2022, meeting that target will require it to increase output in the final three months of the year by 42% from third-quarter levels. Nestle, the world's biggest food company, reported growth of 8.5% in sales across the nine months to September, its sharpest rise in 14 years. The business increased its prices by 7.5% in the same period, without losing a significant number of customers. Food everywhere is becoming more expensive. The cost of food in Britain rose 14.6% in the 12 months to September. The world's female foreign ministers will meet on Thursday to discuss how to support those protesting against Iran's draconian morality laws, according to the Canadian foreign minister. There have been weeks of unrest in the country. On Wednesday, Elnaz Rakabi, the Iranian climber who competed without a hijab in South Korea, was greeted by cheering crowds upon returning to Tehran, Iran's capital. James Cleverly, Britain's foreign secretary, said on Wednesday that the government was considering further action over the, quote, unacceptable beating of a protester outside the Chinese consulate in Manchester. On Sunday, British police intervened after a small group of men came out of the consulate and assaulted a man demonstrating against Xi Jinping, China's president. China's foreign ministry, meanwhile, complained about illegal entry into their consulate. And fact of the day. $17 billion. The estimated amount Ukraine will need to rebuild critical infrastructure and housing for returnees. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. How do you solve a problem like North Korea? When the top military minds of America, Japan, and South Korea meet on Thursday, They will mull a problem that they have failed to solve for 30 years. How to defang North Korea's ever more menacing nuclear program. 
The Hermit Kingdom started the year by testing new missile technology. Over the last month, it has engaged in multiple drills designed to show it can use its weapons in combat. America and South Korean spooks expect another nuclear test soon, possibly the sort of tactical weapon that could be used on the battlefield. So far, the response has followed a familiar pattern. Shows of military strength, talk of America's and South Korea's ironclad alliance, and threats to annihilate North Korea if it steps out of line. Far from giving pause to Kim Jong-un, North Korea's dictator, this approach merely gives him more time to develop his weapons. A new strategy may be in order. The EU's Packed Agenda European Union leaders will meet on Thursday to discuss the continent's energy crisis and the war in Ukraine. On the agenda will be emergency measures proposed by the European Commission in Brussels that would compel the EU's 27 governments to jointly purchase some natural gas. That would prevent European countries from bidding against each other and thus driving up prices. With national governments pushing different remedies to the crisis, diplomats are playing down the chance of sweeping actions such as price caps on gas imports. That will leave more time to discuss the situation in Ukraine. Funds to keep the government in Kiev ticking over are needed, as is money for future reconstruction. Hawkish states, mainly in Central and Eastern Europe, are demanding fresh sanctions against Russia in the wake of its drone strikes on Ukrainian cities. The previous package of sanctions was agreed by EU leaders just two weeks ago. An ultimatum at a Ukrainian nuclear plant. Thursday marks the deadline by which occupying Russian officials told Ukrainian technicians at the Zaporizhia nuclear plant that they had to formally switch their allegiance to Russia. Workers who comply will retain their seniority, vacation days, and pensions. Those who refuse risk more than the threat of firing. In the months following Russia's seizure of Europe's largest nuclear plant in southeast Ukraine in March, Dozens of employees sympathetic to Ukraine have been tortured, held for ransom, or killed. On Monday, two more managers were abducted. The plant's pre-invasion workforce has shrunk by more than two-thirds. Many Western observers, including the UN's nuclear watchdog, fear that additional thinning could lead to a nuclear accident. The Ukrainian state operator, Energoatom, has urged staff to keep working but not switch sides. To complicate the workers' decision, Ukrainian forces are not far off and advancing well. Ukraine's government has vowed to prosecute those who collaborate with Russia, though officials have suggested that in this case, exceptions could be made. Turkey keeps its zany economic policies. With inflation surging to 83% and the Turkish lira down by nearly 40% against the dollar since the start of the year, 
Recep Tayyip Erdogan might have considered reversing his unusual policy of lowering interest rates to rein in consumer prices. Not a bit of it. As long as this brother of yours is in power, the interest rate will continue to fall, Turkey's president said earlier this month. Mr. Erdogan has already forced the central bank to cut its benchmark rate from 18% to 12% over the past year. Analysts therefore expect another full percentage point cut at the bank's Monetary Policy Committee meeting on Thursday. With Mr. Erdogan desperate to sustain economic growth, which reached 7.6% in the three months to June, ahead of presidential and parliamentary elections next year, the benchmark rate may soon reach single digits. Inflation be damned. The Art of Dystopian Britain The Turner Prize for Contemporary Art in Britain is easy to mock. Over the past 40 years, its offerings have included a disheveled, slept-in bed, a pickled cow and calf, and a painting made of elephant dung. Yet, as a barometer of what the nation cares about, the Turner Prize often succeeds. An exhibition of the four artists shortlisted for the 2022 prize opened at the Tate Liverpool this week. The show includes photographs by Ingrid Pollard, documenting how black people have been portrayed on imagery such as pub signs and street names, delicate sculptures by Veronica Ryan of seed pouches, avocado stones, and magnolia pods, all of which were transported as part of the Atlantic slave economy and a drag act video by Sinwai Keen of a non-binary pop band. The final prize, announced on December 7th, may well go to a creepy installation by Heather Philipson, full of animal eyes accusing mankind of destroying the planet. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Thursday. Which newspaper group was acquired by crooked businessman Robert Maxwell in July 1984? Wednesday. Which furry Peruvian migrant has been the focus of films starring Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Richard Francis Burton, who died on this day in 1890. Travelers, like poets, are mostly an angry race. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.